Uh, we have had our first death from COVID-19. It was at a long-term care home. The man was 80, and uh, that was out in B.C. We know that seniors' residents in Washington State continues to be a uh, at the center of the COVID-19 outbreak, and they have had um, a lot of deaths because of COVID-19. We know that the elderly and people with um, immune-compromised uh, immune systems are at risk at most risk from this uh, virus that's going around. Here to talk about it is Director of Geriatrics at Sinai Health System and the University Health Network, Dr. Samir Sinha. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So why are long-term care homes vulnerable to outbreaks? I think I think the homes are particularly vulnerable because they um, they have our most frail and vulnerable uh, seniors um, um, uh, yeah, there. So uh, when most of the people there are um, are a old and b living often with uh, compromised immune systems because of multiple health issues, and they're living in very close proximity to one another. Um, that's why it's uh, it's 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 a target that uh, we have to be particularly mindful around. Yeah, I think that's why I wanted to reach out to you, because there's a lot of people like I uh, have a father-in-law who's 90 that we see on a daily basis. We're uh, caregivers for him. And a lot of people have uh, family members in long-term care homes. So knowing that this could be asymptomatic and you could have coronavirus and walk around not knowing for, you know, an average of five days, uh, what do you advise people, of uh, you know, who have loved ones do? Yeah, I think what we have to remember, like the Public Health Agency of Canada is is not giving advice like the President of France did the other day, saying, you know, don't visit, you know, your older relatives, for example. Um, while we're obviously concerned about the well-being of our loved ones, um, what we have to remember is, is that, you know, still the chance of catching coronavirus in Canada is still low, um, and that um, the chance that you could pass things like the common cold or, or, or the flu is much higher. And, and so, at, at times like this, you know, we're not telling people not to go visit their loved ones, but we're reminding people that, A, if your loved one is in a vulnerable situation, have they gotten their annual flu shot? Flu season's on, still, uh, on until May, and that kills thousands of older Canadians every year. Um, number two is if you're going to go visit, don't go and visit if you're actively sick. If you know that you're actually sick from anything in general, you know, then, then don't, you know, maybe, you know, with, with, withhold that visit. But also when you go, are you washing their hands? Are they washing their hands? You know, are you trying to be mindful of those things? I think just the fact that there is a, a five-day, you know, uh, period where you might have been um, in contact with someone and that shouldn't restrict us from doing those things right now, but it really should heighten us to the things that we can do to keep ourselves healthy, our loved ones healthy, and to not pass infections along. Okay, so you're recommending we still visit loved ones, but um, why is it so important, uh, you know, speak to the health of, of older people that they actually get interaction? Well, because part of the issue is that loneliness and social isolation are bigger killers of older people in Canada right now than, say, things like the influenza, um, you know, uh, like influenza. These are both important issues, right? And these are um, massively more important issues at the moment uh, than COVID is uh, in that way. COVID is just giving everybody a lot of fear. And so people are saying, well, you know, we're so worried about something that still has a relatively low risk in Canada that 
that um, people are, are, are starting to neglect, you know, important things like the importance of socialization, um, the importance, you know, it, it makes, you know, your 90-year-old father's day, you know, by or your grandfather by making sure that they can see you and they have that meaningful interaction. If they lose that, then that could actually cause other health issues and concerns. So we're just reminding people that right now um, it's not uncommon where, you know, there are flu outbreaks in homes. It's not uncommon where um, there are other types of infectious outbreaks that occur. And our long-term care homes are really, really well prepared across Canada to meet the need. Um, you heard about what was happening in, in Washington, D.C. And right now, the current outbreak in that home in, in, in B.C., there are only two reportedly infected older adults and two infected care workers out of a home that has over 100 residents. So they've been really, really vigilant. And right now, if you go visit a loved one in a home, you know, they will have precautions at the front, reminding us that if you are sick, um, if you've recently traveled or you think you could be infected, you know, you know, they'll give you guidance so that you are well supported. And yesterday across Ontario, that heightened level of guidance and surveillance was just announced um, for all of our homes. Again, not preventing people from visiting, but making sure we're mindful about the things we can do to protect people living in those homes. If you have been traveling, should you be wearing a mask when you go in to see someone at a long-term care home? No, because again, we, what we know is only if you actually, COVID, like the masks itself, um, they're meant for healthcare workers, you know, to protect themselves who are working with people who are possibly infectious. Um, and, uh, but they're not meant for healthy people because the thing is masks just keep infections in, for example, um, if you are infectious. Uh, but, uh, but usually if you're asymptomatic and you're wearing a mask, uh, most of the time people start picking at their faces. Right. Um, and then they actually can have a greater risk of giving themselves something. So we actually say, again, if you're not symptomatic, if you're actually healthy and well, there's no need for you to be wearing a mask because, again, it's not an airborne illness per se. It's droplets, um, and it's about being in close proximity with someone who's actively infectious. And that's why this is meant for people who actually have the infection or people who actually are caring for someone with that infection. Because of the seniors' residents and the deaths in Washington State, and I know that the the latest, the first Canadian death from COVID happened in a long-term care home. I know that uh, long-term care home facilities are updating their pandemic plans. What would that look like? Yeah, so right now, again, we were in a pandemic. We're not quite in a pandemic yet with COVID, but as recently as 2009 with the H1N1. Um, so, um, and, and many homes have been through the whole SARS uh, piece as well. So homes, all homes in Canada have pandemic plans. Um, and this is basically where they have supplies on hand. They're working closely with ministries of health, for example, to make sure they have the right mix of supplies, that staff are appropriately trained, um, and that we actually have a coordinated effort. So, for example, um, today the Ministry of Health in Ontario stepped up its procedures. So there's new signage, again, reminding people um, that if you think you have COVID, don't enter this home. But if you have infectious symptoms, these are the things you should be doing. And these are the and, and we want you to report to the nursing station so they can do additional screening. Also, what they're now doing is, while we don't think that we have COVID necessarily in other homes across the country, uh, 
there is going to be, for people who have what we suspect is influenza, there will be more um, uh, testing, uh, random testing that is being done, just so that we're not missing potential cases. Uh, but right now, all of that screening that has been done um, has actually shown that there are no um, underlying, you know, missed COVID cases. So it shows that the work that's actually been occurring already over the last month or two has been working well. Um, and we have to be mindful of that. What about care workers? Are we going to see a time where they are uh, given tests to find out if they, if they are somehow carrying COVID-19 or if they have uh, influenza? Yeah, well, I think right now with, with many of our care workers, we're reminding them that, you know, hand hygiene is really, really important, that if they are actually displaying infectious symptoms, for example, um, so they have a cough or a cold that we ask them not to come into work um, in those ways. So, and, we're, and we're actually, many organizations are asking folks to reconsider traveling, especially to endemic places as well. So there's already um, some precautions that are being put in place. But certainly, you know, if, if someone is displaying infectious symptoms, for example, that we think, could that be the flu or could that be something else? We already routinely test for the flu. And now what the public health agencies are doing across the country is they're going to say, we're now going to start also testing those individuals, not necessarily everybody, uh, for COVID so that we're, we're making sure that there might not be a hidden case in, in that group. I know that the NDP were floating uh, the idea of uh, paying people that have to stay off work. And I was just thinking, uh, would it be a good idea to extend this to care workers that go into people's homes and deal with elderly people? Because a lot of those care workers, if they're not going to work, they're not getting paid. Absolutely. And that, this is one of the things that kind of sheds a light is that care workers in the homes, uh, um, in, in, in private homes, but care workers working in our nursing homes often are not really well paid. You get much more money for being a care worker in a hospital than you do in a person's home or that. And that's challenging when these are folks caring for our, the frailest amongst us. Um, they could be caring for us one day. So when we're not paying them well, when many of them don't have access to benefits and other things, um, then telling them not to come into work for a few days um, can be really precarious. And many folks are actually balancing two or three jobs at two or three different um, homes um, just so they can make ends meet. So we're realizing that we've actually, not only were these workers already in a precarious position, but if they actually have to stay off work, miss work, for example, that could be problematic. And that might prompt some people potentially to say, I'm going to continue working even though I'm sick because if I don't, I can't put food on the table. So, you know, I don't know exactly what the best um, thing needs to be. Um, right now, we have said that, uh, or it, it's been raised that if people are actually having to take time off work because they're being quarantined or that, they can apply for EI benefits for uh, for that period of time. But again, you know, we have to really be mindful about who are who is our workforce, how well we're supporting them, um, because if we don't have them, who's going to provide the care? Doctor, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Cheers. That's Dr. Samir Sinha, who is Director of Geriatrics at Sinai Health System and the University Health Network, talking about long-term care and how uh, they are going to be dealing with the COVID-19 virus.